BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome back to the Vibe Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen, and today's episode, we have a really good interview with Ingrid, and she is the nutritionist, and I found her on Instagram, and she is a Hashimoto's dietitian. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation with her because she is super down to earth. She's been through it all with Hashimoto's and you know symptoms, and she has a whole practice of her own with clients and she really understands the up and down roller coaster ride that autoimmune and Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism can can do. Um, we talk about adrenal fatigue, we talk about supplements and herbs and practices that can help you navigate through your Hashimoto's journey or if you know somebody who is struggling with thyroid issues or Hashimoto's or autoimmune this episode is just really helpful. Um, she gives a lot of useful information about um, foods, different supplements, different ways of eating, different things to incorporate into your routine, your life. So I think this is a really good one that you might want to take notes on. And um, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tag me on Instagram. My Instagram is Gab Love Flow and Ingrid's. Instagram is weightloss.hashimotos, and that will be linked in the show notes. All right, I hope you guys are all doing well, and enjoy this episode with Ingrid. So I'm here with Ingrid, and I'm super excited because I found you on Instagram, as as I usually do find um, all the experts that are on my show usually on Instagram, and I just love everything that you talk about on Instagram as far as Hashimotos and hormones and 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 stress and everything like that. So what is your Instagram in case people want to look at your videos while they're tuning in? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much. So my Instagram handle is at weightloss.hashimotos. Okay. Um, so let's dive right in. Um, basically, we connected because I started DMing you and probably annoying <laughs> you with all these questions um, about you know, these weird symptoms that I was dealing with. I remember I was DMing you when my feet were burning. Um, so I just would love to know about when were you diagnosed with Hashimoto's? How did that show up for you? 
what was going on in your life? What were your symptoms and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, you are not annoying me. I actually love when people DM me and ask me questions versus trying to figure it out and go to Dr. Google where you can get just like this influx of like misinformation and things that are just so unhelpful. Um, So you were not annoying at all. I'm always happy to help. Um, But yeah, so my story is a little bit interesting. So I was actually on the younger end in my diagnosis. So my mom also has Hashimoto's and she, you know, she was very aware of what those symptoms looked like. And at the time I was 17, 16, 17 years old, and I was a competitive swimmer. So I, what my training looked like was I was swimming at least two hours, five, six days a week competing and then cross training on top of the swimming. Um, and of course, you know, I was 16, 17 years old, so I barely ate, right? Cause teenage girls barely eat. So I was barely eating. I was training and I gained 55 pounds in a matter of like a couple of months. Um, I was also lifeguarding at the time and it was a 90 degree day and I was walking around with a hoodie on freezing. And my mom was like, you know what, we're, we got to get you tested. We have to you know, see what's going on here. So that was kind of how my diagnosis came to be. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a, those are pretty extreme, like symptoms, especially when you're so young too. Um, And being cold, that's, I'm, I'm in Florida right now. And I experience that I do experience being cold some days. Um, Actually, in real time, yesterday, I went for my walk, I usually walk outside. And after that, I felt like when I got home, I was like, Whoa, I feel like I overdid it, you know, like, like, even just being outside for too long. And then the whole rest of the night, I was actually cold. So um, how does that play into Hashimoto's? Yeah, so generally the um, the temperature irregularities come from an imbalance in your thyroid hormone. So even if your TSH is normal, a lot of times your metabolic active T3 is either abnormal, it's on the lower end, or it's not being utilized properly by your body. So that can cause some issues with your body's ability to regulate your core temperature. So yeah. um, with Hashimoto's, if people aren't aren't aware of what it is, it's, it can be kind of threaded together with hypothyroidism. So how do you explain, because some people can have Hashimoto's, but not hypothyroidism. And then some people can have hypothyroidism, but not Hashimoto's or both. So what, how do you explain this to people who are kind of still understanding this kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. So Hashimoto's is actually the leading cause of hypothyroidism. Hypothyroidism back in the day was caused by iodine deficiency, which is really rare now in the United States. It's it's something that's mostly unheard of. Um, but that used to be the root cause of hypothyroidism. Now we're seeing Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease that actually causes your body to attack your own thyroid gland, it causes hypothyroidism by essentially um, uh, attacking that tissue so it's no longer functional. So your thyroid produces your T4 and your T3 hormones, but when you have Hashimoto's, you have antibodies, which I know that we're kind of going to get into what antibodies are, Mm -hmm. But these antibodies are supposed to attack foreign invaders, 
And what happens when you have an autoimmune disease is these antibodies attack your own tissue. So this is what causes that thyroid to be that thyroid gland to not create enough hormone. So it turns into having the same issues in terms of not having enough thyroid hormone, but two different root causes. Okay. So for to dumb it down even more, um, Hashimoto's is an autoimmune condition. And what you're saying is that, so first, before I get there, what triggers Hashimoto's to happen? Like what are some of the triggers that, that can cause somebody to develop Hashimoto's? Yeah. And there are so many. So Hashimoto's is hereditary. So it is something that runs on the female side generally. Um, So personally, both my sisters have Hashimoto's. My mother has Hashimoto's. My aunts on both sides of my family actually have Hashimoto's. So I didn't stand a chance. My children will probably not stand a chance. Um, But um, yeah. So what can trigger Hashimoto's is stress, um, being pregnant, perimenopause, so that very intense rise and fall of estrogen, trauma. Um, and these are things that can also trigger flares as well. And I know we're going to talk about that. Um, but yeah, so all sickness. So like my Hashimoto's was triggered by mono. Um, that's what triggered my Hashimoto's to begin with. Um, so all of these things can um, can trigger and nutrient deficiencies, not eating enough, over exercising, all of these like high stress scenarios can trigger that autoimmune process. Okay, so um, just to give the listeners an example, I think the reason why I got my Hashimoto's um, is because years of disordered eating, under eating, um, a, a long period of time purging. Um, over-exercising, which I have completely stopped pretty much exercising at all except for walking now. Um, And then years of drugs, alcohol, I mean, that is a form of abuse to your body and stress. And then to top that all off, um, you know, toxic relationships or trauma. Oh, yeah. Or um, I just think a lot – and being on the pill for – 10 years. I think that really just to, just to paint a picture for the audience, I think it was a combination of all those things. So, yeah. um I think when you're trying to like go back in time and be like, well what co- like what did I do wrong or instead of blaming yourself, I mean, you were just living your life and that's what I have to tell myself sometimes. So, I want to kind of go into this conversation and just let people know that like look, it's not your fault the way that you lived your life. Mm-hmm. shit happens, but there is a way to get through this. And that's what you're all about is helping people heal these things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is absolutely no one's fault that they have Hashimoto's, right? It's an autoimmune condition. It's hereditary. It's dormant in your system until it's not. And, you know, it can be as you know, severe as something as disordered eating and, you know, or childbirth, or it can be as small as having a really stressful semester at school, right? Like things that you can't necessarily control. Yeah. And that takes a toll on your immune system. I mean, yeah. when, when, so it's, it's interesting because I remember I, I when I was living in Miami, um, I was working, I was teaching a lot of yoga and then it was Christmas and I was off for like maybe five days. And right when I 
knew, like right when my my mind knew that I was about to have days off, I got sick. So the body and the mind really are connected. And I know that's so cliche, um, but I just wanted to kind of put that there just so people can hear that as well. When you're overworking yourself, it can take a toll on your immune system. So let's let's get into it. Like when when somebody comes to you, um, what are the main symptoms that they are dealing with, and how do you know for sure if it's Hashimoto's, or um, what are the things that you test for to kind of know where they're at? Yeah, absolutely. So um, generally, the symptoms that people come to me with are unexplained weight gain. They're unable to lose weight in the ways that they were previously able to lose weight. Because one of the things with Hashimoto's is everything that the um, fitness world would like you to believe about losing weight does not apply to us, you know? All of- yes. <laughs> and we need to talk about that right after yes. this. Yes. Yes. Um, so does not apply to us. Um, so constipation is a big one, GI issues. So constipation, diarrhea, bloating, distension, adult acne, which is something I struggled with so horrifically. And I will have to share on my Instagram soon a before and after of my skin, because that was like one of the most exciting non-scale victories that I had. Um, hair falling out, so the hair loss, dry skin, joint pain, there's a myriad of symptoms, like even like you're burning feet, you know, it becomes at a point with these autoimmune conditions where it does kind of tap into that neurological system too. Um, So a lot of these wonky symptoms come out when you have Hashimoto's. And it's so crazy that when you start to work on healing that Hashimoto's, how you're like, I had no idea that was even connected, (laughs) you know, so it is very interesting for sure. Yeah. Okay. So Let's get into that, what you just said before about how the, the fitness and wellness and weight loss industries, I, this is a really um, touchy subject for me because yeah. as I'm coming out of, you know, eating disorders and I'm in recovery and um, also have autoimmune issues like Hashimoto's, thyroid, PCOS, um, people look at me and they're like, oh, well, you're so healthy and, and, you know, you're, you're pretty lean. You're not overweight. But the thing is, is that with Hashimoto's, you have to be very careful with how you eat. Um, a lot of folks have, um, sensitivities and, and a slowed down metabolism. So I'd love to get into that and how frustrating it might be for people who are, feel like they're eating like a bird and they're gaining weight. How, how the hell does that work and what is happening? And let's talk about the metabolism and how we can heal that. As many of you guys know, I've been openly sharing my healing journey with PCOS and hypothalamic amenorrhea and hormonal imbalance. That's why I'm super excited to be partnering up with Ovacetol. Thousands of women swear by Ovacetol, and it's for a good reason. Ovacetol is a highly researched blend of inositols, and it's by Therologics. It's designed to promote healthy hormonal health and support regular menstrual cycles, ovarian health, and fertility. I have been using Ovacetol. It's a powder that you put in 
juice or water it doesn't taste like anything and you take it twice a day and it is supposed to help regulate my cycles hopefully bring back my menstrual cycle and just help with hormonal imbalance in general especially with folks who are struggling with PCOS your estrogen could be tanked your testosterone could be skyrocketed and it's really hard to get through day-to-day chores and just function with those hormonal levels being so crazy and out of whack. Ovacetol is gluten-free, vegan, and it's the only independently tested and certified inositol supplement available. Did you know that Theralogix offers several other evidence-based, independently certified nutritional supplements for women's health? They have so many supplements on their website. It's really awesome. And this company is high-grade supplements. I made a choice last year that I'm only going to start taking really high-grade, potent, tested supplements instead of all the junk that I was buying from like Amazon and Walmart. So that is one of my goals this year is to really stay taking high quality vitamins and supplements. I am trying a few supplements from the Theralogic site. I'm doing an Omega. I have a CBD supplement. I'm doing a women's multivitamin that helps with menstrual cramps and PMS and it has iron in it. So there's supplements for literally everyone on this website. It's amazing. Um, So whether you are aiming for a healthier lifestyle or you're ready to start a family, Theralogix has a wide range of products for you. So go to Theralogix.com, that's T-H-E-R-A-L-O-G-I-X.com, and you can use the provider referral code 233136 at checkout, and that will save you up to 20% off of your purchase on Ovacetol or any other supplements on the website that support your overall health. So go ahead to Theralogix.com, and you, you can use the provider code 233136 at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's a couple different mechanisms at play, but you know, it is really frustrating because most people come to me and their diets are generally not that bad, you know, and I feel like they have gone to their doctors and their doctors have told them, you know, eat less, move more. Um, you know, which is really unhelpful when someone's eating 800 calories a day and working out six days a week. It's like, how much, how much less should I eat and how much more should I work out? Um, and truly that's actually working against your metabolism and against your thyroid function. So with Hashimoto's, your thyroid function plays a role in, in every cell in your body. And on top of that, you also have a very inflammatory immune autoimmune condition. So you're working with chronic inflammation, you're working with insufficient thyroid. And even if you're medicated, a lot of times you're getting a T4 medication where your body has to be responsible for converting that T4 to our metabolically active T3. So the long story short in terms of why these diets and fitness plans don't generally work for women with Hashimoto's is that they all raise our stress hormone cortisol. So when you eat too little, 
and you exercise too much and or either one, your cortisol is going to be running on the higher end. And our stress hormone cortisol actually blocks our metabolically active T3 at a cellular level. And this is why a lot of times that TSH can be normal, the the lab that most doctors will check, the TSH, um, that will be normal, but you'll still have horrible symptoms. You know, so a lot of people even go undiagnosed because that TSH is normal, but they have all of these symptoms and, you know, um, that's the only lab that is being checked. But yeah, so, and the same thing with going to low carb or cutting out macronutrients or skipping meals like intermittent fasting, keto, what this does is you might lose a little bit of weight at first. Um, but what ends up happening is with your hormones, your hormones will shift and your cortisol will raise, and then you'll end up plateauing and then gaining that weight right back. And then some, so it's, it always like breaks my heart when I see people kind of cycling through these diets that are just working against them. And if you, and like, I've been there myself, so I know the struggle and I know how hard it is and it feels like you're doing everything right. And your body hates you, but your body doesn't hate you. Your body is sending you signals. Your body is sending up an SOS, right? Um, And that's what I always tell people. Symptoms are messages from your body. Right. So would you say that for the majority of people who have Hashimoto's, um, cortisol is one of the root cause issues that needs to be focused on? Yeah. So, and it comes into your adrenal health too. So cortisol is definitely very touchy for those of us with Hashimoto's because of the inflammatory process, because of the wear and tear on our adrenals. Um, We tend to, you know, waste certain minerals like magnesium that, you know, is really good for calming the central nervous system. Um, But I would say cortisol and insulin, estrogen, all of the hormones go out of whack when you have an imbalanced thyroid. So it's all things to kind of consider and to make sure that you have a balance in your estrogen, you have a balance in your, um, you know, cortisol and insulin and um, sorry, your, your cortisol levels um, and your insulin and your estrogen. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I hear that hormones, adrenals, thyroid, um, cortisol. So if somebody's coming to you and they're saying, you know, um, I'm eating basically nothing, I'm gaining weight, I have all these symptoms, because sometimes it's not just the weight gain that people are worried about. But yeah, I mean, that sucks to, to be basically starving yourself and, and gaining weight. And I love, I love when people, you know, on Reddit or online are just like calories in, calories out. And I love yeah. commenting on, on, on those kinds of you know, comment and saying, you obviously have no idea what autoimmune and Hashimoto's and PCOS and hypothyroidism are then do you? Because it's, they're all metabolic dysfunction and down regulations. So for somebody who is coming to you, they're barely eating, they're gaining weight, they have tons of inflammation. um, They, they feel like their metabolism's broken. You know, they're afraid to eat foods. Um, What do you, what do you generally help them with first? Like what supplements, what do you tell them that they have to start doing? 
Yeah. So first things first is eating regular meals because most people are skipping meals and just in general, right? People skip meals all the time. But with Hashimoto's, like one of the very, very um, much glossed over and missed pieces in, you know, nutrition. And also I feel like doctors should also probably mention this is that the thyroid has such a huge role in glucose metabolism. So most women with Hashimoto's also end up with some form of, some form of insulin resistance, which can make that weight gain even more and can make losing weight even more difficult. So the first thing we do is we eat regular balanced meals. And when I say balanced meals, I mean pairing your protein, fat, and carbohydrates and a vegetable together at least three times a day. I generally have people eat four to five times a day, depending on their situation, Um, but at least three times a day just to make sure that we're getting that blood sugar regulated. And it's kind of like magical because like within the first couple of weeks of people just doing that seemingly basic thing, right? Eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? And make sure that you're pairing those foods and getting all three macronutrients and vegetables in. Energy goes up. Bowels regulate. um, Skin looks better. So just by doing that, most of the time, we do see some success. And then it's about making sure that we are replenishing micronutrients that might be deficient. So for example, women with Hashimoto's, we go through vitamin D. So we, because of the oxidative stress in our body, we tend to burn through vitamin D. Um, So I always recommend, you know, you're in Florida, so you're going to be getting sunlight. I live in upstate New York, so I'm going to need a bit more than you would, right? So like where I'm rocking the 10,000 I use, per day, like year round, um, you might need a thousand depending on where your levels are. So it really just depends on like where people live and if they've gotten a recent value yet, but vitamin D is a big one. Um, magnesium glycinate. I generally have people start a magnesium glycinate, especially if they're showing signs of any of adrenal fatigue. Um, so some signs, signs of adrenal fatigue can be being tired all day, having a hard time falling asleep at night, waking up at three to three o'clock in the morning, every morning. Yeah. So those are some signs of adrenal fatigue. So magnesium glycinate is a big one that I, um, often will, uh, have people take. And then also I'm a big fan, not that this is a nutrient that needs to be replenished, but I, in terms of adrenal health, I'm a big fan of CBD, um, just in terms of inflammation and also helping just calm the central nervous system and help people kind of get in the, in sleep mode. Um, and I found that to be so, so helpful with my clients is to add that CBD tincture on. We love CBD here. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yes, to CBD. How how much magnesium do you recommend? And do you recommend yeah. people take it? So if people have like serious cortisol issues, do you recommend they take it during the day and end at night? Or like how does that work and how many milligrams? Yeah. So with magnesium glycinate, I usually have them just take it right before bed because it, one of the things is – of course, we want everyone to be doing the right thing. But if we overcomplicate things by like, take this three times a day, a lot of times nothing happens, right? So it's generally one time a day and we do about 300 milligrams of the magnesium glycinate. 300 milligrams. Okay. Yeah. Um, this just popped into my mind. Um, you were mentioning insulin resistance. So yeah. for, and I, 
I, I pretty much understand insulin resistance and diabetes ish, yeah. but like, what if somebody comes to you and cause I have lean PCOS and insulin yeah. resistance is an issue, but I'm still a little confused on how it works because I don't really eat any sugar. I don't, yeah. and I, and I'm, pr- I'm pretty low carb right now just because my carb tolerance is low. So for folks who are eating keto or are like, but I'm not eating sugar and I'm, or maybe they're not yeah. even eating that much fruit. Well, how does insulin resistance work? Yeah. So here's the interesting thing about avoiding carbohydrates is all macronutrients can be broken down into glucose, right? So protein is a nitrogen away from becoming glucose. Fat, you know, we need to remove, we need to break down that chain a little bit further. Um, so your body actually can create glucose on its own. And it's so interesting because I see people that avoid carbohydrates actually end up sometimes having higher blood sugar than those who pair their carbohydrates appropriately, um, and make sure that they're eating balanced meals throughout the day and regulating their blood sugar throughout the day. Um, but essentially just for those who don't really know what insulin resistance is, it's when your body body is secreting the hormone insulin from your pancreas. And what insulin is supposed to do is it's supposed to take glucose and either pull it, it's supposed to pull it into storage essentially. So it's a fat storing hormone. But what can happen sometimes is there's a disconnect. And so your body secretes insulin, but it's not being utilized properly. So the insulin isn't doing its job quite well enough. So it kind of upregulates the fat storage, but your blood sugar still stays on the higher end. Um, The other part of this is gut health, right? So like in order to make sure that, you know, our hormones are working properly, we need to have a healthy gut. And in order to have a healthy gut, we need to include you know, a a decent amount of carbohydrates in our nutrition. And when I say decent amount, at least 100 grams a day is generally like the lowest you want to go just to keep your organs healthy, right? Um, You want to include that to make sure that you're getting prebiotics and feeding the good bacteria in your gut to make it so that your hormones can be regulated as well. Okay. So um, for when it comes to blood, like glucose and insulin, Um, how does that directly correlate with cortisol um, and weight gain? Because, you know, for folks who come to you, like they're like, okay, well, I'm eating a salad or I'm eating like I'm I'm already like some some orthorexic people might come to you. So it's like, okay, so how does this all work in relation to the insulin piece, the glucose piece, and the cortisol piece? I know that's like kind of a big question, but like yeah. I feel like you're the person to ask because <laughs> it's all related. It's all connected, right? So, and that is, it's so, hormones are so interesting because they work so um, intricately together. And so essentially what happens is your cortisol and your insulin work kind of against each other. So the cortisol is the go hormone, right? It's the stress hormone. It raises blood sugar. And then the insulin is supposed to lower your blood sugar. It's supposed to pull that blood sugar, you know, out of your bloodstream into storage. And it's way more complicated than that, right? I'm kind of diluting this way down. 
Um, but what happens with, in the hypothyroid world or the Hashimoto's world is you have this chronically high cortisol, which ends up causing weight gain. And then you have this insulin resistance that ends up causing waking at the same time. And then you have a low thyroid hormone that ends up reducing your metabolic rate, making it so that you burn less calories throughout the day. So it turns out to be just like this hormonal, like cluster F, like, yes. yeah, which most people ca can relate to that. I feel like, because they feel like, I don't know, you know, like this is just so much. Yeah. So basically when you're insulin resistant, um, it's, be it's meaning that when you eat carbs or eat anything that can be, you said anything can be um, transformed into glucose in the body, yeah. um, not just carbs. Um, your body won't know how to process that. And, and the, the insulin resistance is causing the glucose and the cortisol to spike. Repeat that sentence. Sorry. Is, so like the, the insulin resistance is causing the glucose and or the cortisol to spike. Usually the insulin resistance isn't necessarily causing the cortisol to spike, but they are happening generally at the same time because of Hashimoto's. Okay. Yeah. I got, I got it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really just, our bodies are like experiments, you know, yeah. and people, I just, I definitely feel like I'm in the camp where um, your clients are coming to you and they're eating so clean. That's, that's the kind of person I'm, I am right now. And it's super frustrating because while I'm not trying to lose weight, I do have a host of symptoms and, and it's really hard to live with symptoms that are, you know, just in your life every day, like swelling, inflammation. Um, yeah. and I do gain weight very easily if I don't, um, stay on top of like how I eat because of all the food sensitivities and stuff. So, yeah. um, and you have PCOS too, which so many of my clients do. So PCOS is actually a driver for Hashimoto's. Oh, wow. Um, so it's very interesting. So many of my clients end up with that dual diagnosis of PCOS and Hashimoto's together. So for people who do have dual diagnosis, like what if, you know, somebody has a different autoimmune issue or they, they think they have, they have Hashimoto's and they have, you know, Lyme or something else. Like what, yeah. what is like the most important thing to focus on first? I know you said magnesium is yeah. important. I know you said vitamin D, um, the gut obviously is important, um, for somebody who has like a host of symptoms and they're like, I don't know what the fuck is what anymore. Yeah. Like it could be literally anything. It could be the PCOS. It could be Lyme. It could be yeah. depression. It could be anything. What do you do to help that person gear into the direction of less symptoms? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is online counseling. You can do from the privacy of your own home. And this sponsor is my favorite sponsor ever because I actually use BetterHelp every single week. I know I hear BetterHelp ads on like every podcast now, but I'm not really sure if everybody's actually using BetterHelp, but I do. I actually have been going to therapy once a week, every week, and it's consistent, and it really has helped my healing journey and just given me the opportunity to connect with someone who can look at my life and my experiences that I'm going through with a different lens because we can get so caught up in 
the chaos and whatever is going on in our lives and we can really get wrapped up in these self-limiting beliefs and these toxic ways of viewing ourselves. So I've been loving BetterHelp. I have a therapist who is actually an EMDR therapist. So we've done some EMDR together. We've done some talk therapy. Uh, So you can really find the most perfect therapist for you depending on whatever it is you're going through, whether it's eating disorders, addiction, family issues, relationship issues, trauma, uh, whatever it is, you can literally find the perfect therapist for you and you can do it in the comfort of your home. And if you don't want to be on video, you don't have to be on video either. You can just do it as an audio call. So you can go to betterhelp.com slash vibe. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash vibe. And you can get a 10% discount off of your first month of online counseling. All you're going to do is just go to betterhelp.com slash vibe and you fill out a little questionnaire and then you will be matched with all these different therapists will come up and you have the option to click on each profile, read what they're all about, and you can send them some messages. And if you ever want to change your therapist, you can change your therapist as many times as you want, no questions asked. It's really easy. The portal is so easy to navigate and it's been helping me so much through all of these life transitions and changes with what we're going through with you know, not only the economy is messed up, but family is going through a lot, health issues. So it's really important to have someone in your life that you can consistently connect with who can help you through these issues. So go to betterhelp.com slash vibe. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash vibe and start online counseling today. Yes. So first of all, we start really small because generally when all of that is going on, you are so overwhelmed and being overwhelmed is only going to tax your body more, right? So we don't want to then throw massive amounts of behavior change, nutrition change, supplements and all of that on you. Um, you know, kind of just all at once. We want to make sure that we're going very slow and strategic. So the first thing that I would do is this, and this is going to sound so silly, but I swear to you guys, like drink more water like that in and of itself, that will help lower your cortisol. Yes. I know we're both here with our like water here, um, which by the way, like I love, I have to show you that water bottle while we're done. Cause it's like glass and great, but um but yeah, so drink more water. Like water is so great. It's going to help with your digestive system. It's going, a lot of times people are super, super constipated. One from the hypothyroidism from Hashimoto's, but two, no one is drinking enough water. So making sure that you're, you know, you're drinking enough water for your digestion. And then also it helps decrease cortisol. So there are studies that show just staying well hydrated is going to lower that cortisol level. Um, it helps with your skin. It helps. It, it helps with your energy. Like being dehydrated is going to have your energy just take a nosedive. So that is step number one, and that is the first thing that I work on with all of my clients. The second thing is really 
meal timing, right? So if you're skipping meals, let's figure out how to not skip meals anymore. Let's let's figure out with your lifestyle how we can make sure that we are regulating your blood sugar properly. Because one of the things we haven't really touched on yet is also the impact on your blood sugar with your inflammation. So if your blood sugar is up and down all day, that's going to exacerbate the inflammation that you're already experiencing. It's going to cause, you know, it's going to cause more acne. It's going to cause uh, fatigue. It's going to um, potentially cause more gut issues. It's it's going to cause these myriad of issues um, and also more hormonal issues. So um, that is another step that I take after making sure you drink water. That's also going to help with inflammation, but then regulating that blood sugar to make sure we're decreasing inflammation from that point. So um, by for people who are skipping meals or not eating or they're so busy and they, you know, maybe they'll have something small in the morning, but they go all day long without eating. Is that causing inflammation? Is that causing, you know, the weight gain, the, all the symptoms? Yeah, absolutely. So by skipping meals, it's doing a couple different things. So one, it's going to end up putting stress on your body, which causes not only inflammation, but it also causes cortisol increase. And then also one of the things that you'll notice if there are long stretches in between your meals is the first meal that you eat after that long stretch, you're going to feel pretty bloated and it's not going to feel good. So a lot of times what people think is they feel like the food is making them bloated when really it's not the food. It's the fact that their GI system has slowed down from not eating for so long. And then the GI system gases and you experience that really uncomfortable bloating. Okay. So for folks who, you know, they're like, okay, well, when I do eat, I get super bloated. I, I've been experimenting with betaine HCL and like digestive enzymes. What's your take on that? Yeah. Yeah. So with digestive enzymes, it's one of those things that can be really helpful when you're kind of in the throes of things. It's not something I recommend long-term because it's one of those things where the more you supplement, the less your body wants to do it itself. (laughs) So generally what I recommend doing is kind of getting down to the root cause of your bloat. So is it leaky gut that you're experiencing? Do you have small intestinal bacteria overgrowth? Um, Are you constipated and that's what's causing the bloating? Um, Do you have specific food intolerances? Um, And, you know, food intolerances can be a tricky subject. And you one of the things with Hashimoto's and food intolerances is your Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism can cause low stomach acid. And then low stomach acid can cause an overgrowth of bad bacteria and can cause leaky gut, which then causes your foods that you shouldn't be intolerant to, to react and cause issues. Um, and I've seen that a lot, lots of skin issues, lots of bloating and GI issues from that process. So in terms of like supplements, I don't love a lot of those digestive enzymes long term. I think it's way more effective to kind of figure out what's going on first and then fix the problem. So that way you can have a more, more diverse diet and that more diverse diet allows you to have a healthier gut overall. Okay. Um, that makes sense. So when you have low stomach acid, that basically means that your stomach lining isn't as strong as it could be. Um, what about L-glutamine? I've heard that that helps a lot. 
Yeah. So um, L-glutamine is actually great. I love using L-glutamine. It's something that I use with my clients routinely. And essentially what L-glutamine does, it's an amino acid that can help heal the lining of your GI tract. So it can... um, it can essentially, when you have leaky gut, so imagine your gut is like a zipper. When you have leaky gut, that zipper is open and that L-glutamine can start to repair that gut lining and close that zipper for you. Okay. How do you, what do you recommend? Powder? Um, I know it comes in powder. It comes in pills. What, what do you recommend? I like the powder because it absorbs um, a lot quicker and it's more absorbable. And there's a lot of good brands too. Like I'm a big fan of like of Thorn. I think that they do a really good job just uh, third-party testing and all of that. Um, I think that that's a pretty good brand. And generally, so one of the complaints that I get from my clients is that it kind of has a little bit of like a smell to it. Um, so yeah, it, it's a little funky, but as long as you like mix it in something yeah. like your coffee or something, it, right. it dissolves like pretty well. juice or something. Yeah. Um, okay. That's really good. So focusing on the gut is important. Um, if somebody comes to you, I know you're, cause you said this earlier, if your TSH is normal, that's you know, a lot of people will say, well, my TSH was normal. And my doctor said that that's normal, but they're not looking at other things. So um, I'm wondering what like thyroid levels could be alarming. Um, I know for me, for example, my TSH is normal, but my T3 is low, my T4 is low, like everything else is low. Um, So I guess what's your take on that? And how do you help people heal the thyroid piece? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, the ranges for our thyroid function are so broad. Um, So for example, the TSH range is 0.4 to 4. Um, That's huge. That is a huge range. And generally, again, I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to like overstep my like scope of practice here. But, you know, generally what I see in my clients is they feel the best with their TSH being between 0.1 and 1. That's generally what I see. Sometimes people feel okay in in the 2 to 2.5 area. Um, But really, that's kind of what I see. And then in terms of T3 and T4, you really want to see that T4 on the upper 50% of the range and then that T3 on the upper third of the range. And that's generally how I like to put it just because they, depending on the lab Mm -hmm. testing, they might have different measurements. Um, But really you want those numbers to be on the the top percentage of that range. And nutritionally, what we do to help with this is for, first of all, we need to keep in mind that your body is responsible for converting that T4 to T3, right? So we want to make sure that we are really supporting the organs that do this. So your kidneys, your gut, and your liver. And a lot of people with Hashimoto's end up with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Um, so that's something that, you know, we want to make sure that your liver is clearing properly, that we're supporting your liver with, you know, green leafy vegetables, and we're making sure that your gut is nice and healthy. Your gut converts 20% of that T4 to T3. So that is really, really important. The, the other thing that we do is we can support you with supplements. So generally what I have my clients do as long as they don't have lower testosterone 
is I'll have them do a myo-inositol plus a selenium. And that might be helpful for you specifically because of the PCOS to do that combination. So studies show that it not only helps decrease your antibodies, but it helps regulate your T4 and your T3, regardless of the fact if you're hypo or hyper, it will still regulate the T4 and T3 to normal. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I actually am on um, myo-inositol and and there is and I, and selenium as well. So I didn't know that was also for good for PCOS and thyroid. Yeah. Um, okay. So you said, you know, supplementation. Um, how do you know when somebody needs to be on medication and when somebody should start with supplementation instead or herbs? Yeah. So it really depends on how far along they are in the process, right? And it's hard to tell sometimes because some people have gone 10 years with symptoms and they get their diagnosis 10 years later, even though you can kind of theorize that they've had Hashimoto's hypothyroid for 10 years, it just went undiagnosed, untreated. Um, so generally what I say is that if your TSH is, you know, on the higher end of normal, sometimes you can get away and your say your antibodies are high, but your TSH is, you know, within the normal range. It's not in a scary range because it, Thyroid is nothing to mess with. And I always want to put that out there. Like having too high of a TSH is really um, bad for your body. So whether you get your thyroid replacement through, you know, trying to figure it out naturally or through meds, it's so important to have that within normal range. Um, my aunt actually had a heart attack at 35 years old because she went undiagnosed for way too long and that TSH was in a very unhealthy range. Um, so that be that being said, you know, as long as your TSH is within a place that's not scary, if your antibodies are on the higher end, so your anti-TPO antibodies or thyroglobin um, antibodies, if those are higher, then at that point, I would say, okay, let's try to, you know, uh, relieve this through nutrition, through supplements, see if we can get those antibodies back down into a normal range, which happens quite a lot with my clients. And then let's see if we can either, you know, see if your doctor's cool with skipping medication for now, or I've even had clients who are able to get off of medication once they started because their thyroid labs corrected themselves after, you know, working with me, um, which is pretty cool. And again, like nothing against thyroid medication at all. Like, I was too far gone, honestly, at 17 years old to not take it. Um, so there's nothing against medication. You need to have that thyroid replacement. But that's that's kind of the parameters that I would set for a safe way to kind of skip the medication and go for nutrition alone. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I think there's I'm on I'm on thyroid medication and I feel like it's been um it's been like one big experiment. Um because yeah. I was put on armor. Um I'm basically my own doctor I, at this point. <laughs> we um, all are, girl. We all are. I've <laughs> gone through so many endocrinologists that made my blood boil and my cortisol just spike. Yeah. So now I'm just dealing with it on my own um, and going through like compounding pharmacies or something. Yeah. But So I tried the armor for about six months and the armor caused me to lose tons of my hair. Um, it every time that I would increase the armor, I would have like a week where I felt like, okay. Um, and then I would feel not great again. Like all the symptoms would come back. Um, 
So, and then I just decided to stop taking the armor altogether and move to um, more of like a nature throid type thing. So I've been taking that for um, about a week and a half and I'm starting to, to feel some like glimmers of hope that like it's going to help. But I think it's really important for people to know, like you can still take thyroid medicine and do natural healing as well. Like you don't have to just lean on medications and there's so many different medications as well. Um, And I think what you said, like if you're so far gone, why are you going to make your body work so freaking hard to do that for you? Um, Especially if your TSH is high, which mine was. Um, So for people who um, maybe they don't have access to healthcare or doctors or whatnot, um, I know that like you can test for these things at home. Um, yeah. But what would you recommend to somebody who just like doesn't have access to healthcare or the doctors, but they know that they have a thyroid imbalance or Hashimoto's? What what with like the with food? what do you tell them to focus on? I know you said three balanced meals, um, but is there anything else as far as like staying away from certain foods um, and adding certain foods in? Okay, when we are trying to heal and recover from any kind of disease or illness or whatever it is you're going through, yes, diet and lifestyle changes are very important. But I will say supplements have been a huge game changer in my healing journey, especially when you find the right supplements, the right ingredients, and you find that magic spot for your body where you really start to feel better. I'm really excited to be partnering up with New Ethics. New Ethics is a supplement company and they make medical grade nutritional supplements developed with therapeutic dosing. They built this company on pillars of honesty, integrity, transparency, and truth. This is really important because sometimes you don't really know what the hell are in your supplements. I mean, there's tons of weird fillers and ingredients that you can't pronounce and I gotta tell you, I have been through my fair share of crappy supplements and it did not help my healing at all. And what's great is that New Ethics doesn't put any artificial sweeteners, flavors, or ingredients of any kind that your body should not have, especially if you're, you know, healing things like autoimmune conditions and thyroid and all these things, your body really needs to be able to detox and be in homeostasis. So I am super excited because I got some products from them and I'm on their website right now and I'm just looking at all of their products and it's just amazing how many different areas of health they they do. They have protein powders, they have collagen powders, they have mag- magnesium, they have a Bloat Ease Pro um, supplement that I'm super excited about because that's supposed to help with the gut lining and leaky gut. 
they have a supplement called Court Ease, and that's for cortisol, and that's one of my root causes for a lot of my issues is cortisol dysregulation. They have thyroid supplements, thyroid boost. They have estrogen supplements, so if you're trying to heal hormonal imbalance, they've got you covered. They have immunity supplements. I mean, the list goes on. They have adrenal supplements. And I'm really excited to also try their collagen powder because as you guys know, I am no longer vegan and I am allowing myself to have collagen powders. And let me tell you, it's been a game changer for me. Um, I've noticed a difference in my, not only my hair and my skin and my nails, like that's an obvious thing when you start using collagen, but it's also really great for inflammation and um, for your stomach and your gut health and digestion. And I didn't know any of these things until I really started experimenting and using different supplements and allowing myself to, you know, get outside of my comfort zone. Every single lot of supplements is third-party tested, and the COA is posted on the website. So anyone can enter the lot number of any product and see it's directly tested and the results of that. So if you're ready to really take action and get your health in order, you need to try New Ethics. Go ahead and go, go to their website. It's newethics.com, so it's N-U-E-T-H-I-X.com, and you can use the discount code GAB10 at checkout on any of their products. They have so many, and I just started using today and last night the Adrenal One and the Court Ease for cortisol. I'm super excited. I think it's really going to help me a lot. So go to their website, newethics.com, N-U-E-T-H-I-X.com, and use the discount code GAB10 at checkout. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely recommend that everyone with Hashimoto's at least trial going gluten-free um, at least for three months to see how you feel. And I've had very few clients, I think maybe one or two over the many years I've been doing this, that were like, yeah, I don't really feel a difference. Um, and my 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 guess is they weren't totally gluten-free when they um, were actually, you know, when they were trying to go gluten-free. My guess is that they weren't completely gluten-free. Um, and the reason why I recommend doing this is there are there is quite a body of literature that shows that removing gluten can actually reduce your thyroid antibodies um, because of something called molecular mimicry. So in the beginning of this call, we were talking about, you know, what is the difference between hypothyroidism and you know, Hashimoto's, and we were talking about those autoantibodies. So antibodies are supp supposed to protect you. So antibodies protect you from viruses. And um, the issue is, is when those antibodies start attacking our own tissue, that's when we have the problem. And gluten has been shown to actually mimic that thyroid tissue. So then we end up having a higher immune response when we eat gluten. So I definitely recommend doing that. In terms of foods to add in, I definitely recommend adding in fermented foods when you can. So sauerkraut, kimchi, um, 
anything that you can that you like to eat that's fermented or taking a probiotic just to make sure that you know you're doing what you can for your gut health cuz again remember that T4 to T3 conversion 20% happens right in that gut super important to keep that healthy and then adding in foods that are higher in zinc um, and, you know, if you don't have access to supplements, that's okay. I actually don't love supplementing um, trace minerals like zinc because they can become toxic. I would much rather you just kind of increase your seeds and your um, leafy green vegetables. And that's going to kind of cover your bases in terms of making sure you're getting enough zinc and selenium to kind of support that thyroid function. Okay. Um, and the next thing I would say is the next important thing is B12. B12 is really important um, for your thyroid function. Um, you can either take a supplement, sublingually, or you can, um, you know, get it through foods. Mostly you're going to get B12 through animal products. So if you're not going to eat animal products, there are still hemp is a great one. <laughs> you can still get some B12 through, um, through some plant sources. Um, so, but B12 is actually really important in thyroid health. And it's one of those micronutrients that are actually, you become deficient in because of that low stomach acid that we were talking about before. Okay. That actually leads me into what I was going to ask you next is, you know, I know that B12, iron, ferritin, zinc, these are all kind of related, um, when it comes to the hair loss piece, um, because I know that's a really big issue when it comes to pretty much every autoimmune issue, especially hormonal like PCOS and the Hashimoto's. So um, what do you recommend for for folks who are losing their hair? Um, What what does it normally mean? Like in the majority of your clients, what levels are low? What do they need to fix? And how can people reverse that hair loss? Yeah. So generally it means one of two things. So with the hair loss, so it either means that we still need to optimize your thyroid function because if your thyroid function is low, that hair regrowth cycle is going to be stunted. Um, The second thing that it can mean is that your Hashimoto's hypothyroid has, has kind of triggered this deficiency. And there are two different types of anemia. So there's iron deficiency anemia and pernicious anemia, which is a B12 um, uh, triggered anemia. And I see more often the B12 triggered anemia versus the iron deficiency anemia. So I would definitely just make sure that you get that B12 tested. You can also check your hemoglobin levels, which is really a common lab that, you know, doctors will get is your hemoglobin. And you really want that, you know, within normal range, that's going to show that you are making enough red blood cells. So if you don't have enough iron and B12, you're not going to be making enough of those red blood cells. Those red blood cells circulate oxygen throughout your body. So that's really important. And then in terms of ferritin, ferritin is a level where we see your storage capacity for iron. So a lot of times that will kind of tip us off that there is an issue with um, your iron storage, which can lead to anemia. Okay. So having, and it's, that's interesting because when I got my labs recently, um, my, my B12 was like high, like apparently it was like my, my OBGYN was like, your, your B12 levels are actually like higher than 
we would expect, you know, like, and I think that might be because I used to get B12 shots, but I didn't for a while. Oh, that's um, so interesting. So maybe it like just stuck around in my body. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. Do you take like an oral B12 at all? No, but I think there might be like B, like other B vitamins in my supplements, but not just like B12 straight. So I found that to be really weird. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. It must be the low iron for me, I guess, because, and I used to be anemic, but now I do eat fish. So, and I've, I've been adding, um, protein, I've been adding more collagen. Um, I've been basically throwing anything I can at my hair loss issue. Um, and I heard that, you know, obviously increasing protein can help too. Um, absolutely. And fat is also good for hormones, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So fat's really great for hormones. Um, you need fat in order to produce your sex hormones specifically, um, but yeah, so in terms of hair growth, you want to make sure that you're getting all your B vitamins. It's interesting. Yours was high. Like I'd have to like kind of dig into reasons for that. Generally it's supplementation that causes that high number. So that's really interesting. Um, you could maybe, did you check your ferritin as well? Cause that would be something that I would look at just to make sure that, you know, you're checking your ferritin levels to kind of see where that is. Um, and then the one word of caution I would say is a lot of times people will add biotin onto their, you know, kind of hair growth regimen, or if their nails, that's another symptom of Hashimoto's is your nails can be like super weak and brittle. Um, biotin can actually show false numbers on your thyroid labs. So it can show that TSH being falsely within normal range or even on the lower end, which can lead to misdiagnosis. So if you have biotin in your regimen, you want to make sure that you take it out several, I'm not exactly sure the exact days, but I'm assuming several weeks before you get that lab test done, just so that you're not showing those false numbers. Yeah, that's really important because, you know, people are trying to do like like tests don't guess, but like when you're taking supplements, you never know what can, and I've heard about that too. And I think that actually that has happened to me before. Um, and now that you're saying that I need to check one of the supplements that I take because I think it has biotin in it. And I, the next time I get labs, I really want it to be accurate. Absolutely. Um, so let's go into like some, I guess, like quick fire questions because I know we're getting down to the end. Um, for iron, what if somebody's low iron, how many like milligrams do you recommend for that? Yeah, so if you're actually anemic, you need about one to 200 milligrams of elemental iron. If just for maintenance, like normally we need about 17 to 18 milligrams. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going down my questions. Yeah. What, <laughs> what do you think are the main triggers that can cause a flare-up and when I when we say flare-up we just mean like whoa all of a sudden you're getting hit with all these symptoms yeah stress stress is a huge one um stress trauma sickness um essentially those things that caused your Hashimoto's in the first place can also cause a flare-up over exercise under eating yeah. Being outside in the sun for too long. <laughs> yes, exactly. De- dehydration. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Um, what are your favorite ways to heal yourself when you're in a flare up? 
Yeah. So one of the things that I've been doing to prevent a flare up is doing deep breathing. And this is something that I would also do while in a flare up. So even doing like box breathing where you breathe in four counts, hold four counts, breathe out four counts, hold four counts. Um, that making sure I'm well hydrated, making sure that I am back to basics because of course, like as much as this is my lifestyle and this is what I do, usually my flare ups and they don't happen often, but when they do, it's because I've worn myself thin. Um, so for me, it's taking a step back. It's making sure that I go back to eating regular meals if that fell off track. Um, but really just really doubling down on self-care, deep breathing, calming down, taking a step back, taking out every extra thing possible in my life and just focusing on the basics. Okay. Um, if there was one like tea or herb or like very natural thing that you, that you would go to in a time of feeling like shit, um, what would that be? (laughs) Okay. So in times of feeling like vitamin D, uh, do I have to pick one? Because I feel like it's kind of like, all right. Favorite. Yeah. So my favorite, like when I am not feeling well is I always make sure that I up my probiotic, my vitamin D and my omega three. Those are the three that I go to in terms of like herbs. I'd like doing things like, um, like matcha lattes with like turmeric or something like that, just to kind of help with not only the, the inflammation, but just getting some extra antioxidants on board too. I will say with turmeric, just make sure that it doesn't interact with any of your medications because it does that sometimes. Do you put the yeah. turmeric in your matcha? That sounds, yeah. that sounds interesting. I love yeah. matcha. I, I drink yeah. one every day. Okay. Um, I just got a little frotho blaster and it makes it way more fun. <laughs> I love those. Sometimes I'll even just like put it in my blender if I'm like super lazy. Yeah. Um, okay. What is one thing that's been helping you with the the stress piece? Is there any rituals or like what kind of – do you have any gadgets? Do you have any, um, you know, things you do to help with the mental piece of it? Except yeah. I, know, I know breathing um, and, and meditation, but like anything other than that. Yeah. So I don't really have any gadgets. I'm a pretty low maintenance human being, but I will say like what I like to do sometimes is just stretch and not stretch in terms of a yoga class, but just do what feels good for my body. Um, with, you know, sometimes I'll do like some like inversion type deals, like, you know, just to help kind of bring that blood to my thyroid and just, you know, kind of calm down that way. But really just doing like some gentle movement is really helpful. And I also think that sometimes, you know, having affirmations is really helpful as well. Just, you know, calming yourself down in terms of like, you know, my body is healthy, I am safe, I'm okay, like, especially in times of like stress and trauma, like, I feel like it's so important to just like remind your body that you are actually in this moment, okay. Yeah, and it can feel so overwhelming when you have all these issues. But it's like, if you're doing everything you can, that affirmation is good to incorporate and journaling has been helping me a lot. And what I do, um, I, I like how you said, just stretch and just do what feels good. Cause what I'll do is I'll get on the floor and I'll do like a straddle with my legs and then I'll have my journal there. So I'll be like stretching and journaling at the same time. Um, and just, just, 
putting whatever crazy thoughts are in my head and stressing me out onto the paper and breathing while I'm doing that. And it's like a little trifecta. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think that's so good. And, you know, journaling is something that I am kind of off and on with. Sometimes I'm really good about it. Sometimes, like, and I think other people can relate. Sometimes you're so in the throes of things that, like, the idea of, like, sitting down and, like, writing stuff down is more stressful (laughs) than, like, you know, that it relieves. So I think just kind of figuring out, too, what works best for you, your lifestyle, your current situation. Um, it's, it's just, I think that sometimes we get a little dogmatic with our like stress management. So like kind of letting that go mm-hmm. and then just focusing on the things that actually make you feel better. Yeah. Um, one last thing I'll say that's been making me feel better is taking like not cold showers, like not freezing cold, yes. but just not hot, like the hot water yeah. for some reason, just it causes swelling for me. And if when I take a cool shower, it refreshes me. It helps me feel better. So if that helps anybody, you don't have to take a freezing cold shower, but um, just take a little bit of a cooler, you know, water. Yeah. And there's actually like a body of literature right now that shows that doing even like a five minute this is using much more cold water than I'm sure, but like a very cold shower, five minutes, you know, actually lowers inflammation. And for people who struggle with Hashimoto symptoms plus menopause symptoms, it can be really helpful for that as well, just with hot flashes and cooling down that core temperature for sure. Yeah. I actually really do like, um, cold, cold showers. Um, okay. Awesome. Well, I feel like I could talk to you forever because we're both, I know. We're both nor- northern chicks. I'm from New Jersey originally, and um, ah. yeah, um, that's where I was at up north, um, visiting some family. And it was it was actually really nice to be in that cooler weather. I feel like it really does help people with Hashimoto's. Like when you're in the heat all the time, like the cool yeah. actually does really help. But um, for anybody who wants to work with you or reach out to you and and potentially hire you to be their nutritionist or their coach, um, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So feel free to message me on my Instagram, which is at weightloss.hashimoto's, or you can send me an email. It's info at ingridrd.com. Um, either one of those is absolutely fine. Or my website is www.ingridrd.com. Try to make things easy. Cool. And I'll, I'm going <laughs> to obviously put all that stuff in the show notes. And you have great content on your Instagram. I mean, like quick bites, like just information in your reels, in your posts. It's like really helpful. So oh, I just want to say thank you for that because sometimes yeah. people are like, you know, looking all over the place for ways to feel better. And it's like, that's, I feel like that's your mission, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I find that when I was looking for kind of support in the, in the space of Hashimoto's, all I saw was a lot of like victim mentality and like, this sucks and it's just gonna suck. So let's like just ride out the suck together. And I'm living proof that you can live symptom free and you can rock your life and you don't have to feel like shit for the rest of forever. Like you can feel good um, with a lot, a lot of times it's very small tweaks to your nutrition and lifestyle that help you feel so much better. So I'm, I really hope that my content does inspire people to kind of make those changes and to feel better. Yeah. You simplify everything and it's like, these are the things you can do today. And some of them are, most of them are free. And, you know, like some of the, most of them you can just find supplements and you, you are in control of what's happening. And I feel like that's, 
you're you're giving people hope. You really are. So well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, it was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.